Hello everybody, and welcome to the BearCast Media Bengals Recap Show. I am Justin Cashman, he is Alex Frank, we're glad to be back here with you. So Alex, we are through two weeks, and uh, zero wins for our Cincinnati Bengals. Zero wins! Yeah, Thursday night was not exactly what we were hoping for, but uh, we're going to get into it. So, uh, just initial thoughts on uh, the game Thursday night, Alex. Well, I'm mad. I- I'm not mad. You got a little distracted there. I'm not mad. I'm just frustrated because there were so many things that this game was winnable. I'm trying to collect my thoughts here. This game was very winnable. It's just the two glaring weaknesses on this football team, the run defense and running the football. And when those two complementary things are both not working, bad things are going to happen. Your Losses are going to happen. And that's what happened on Thursday night. Joe Burrow is not the problem. Joe Burrow played really well. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, com- he apparently he had the most completions in a game ever by a rookie quarterback. Now, he did attempt 61 passes, but you complete 37 of them. You're doing something right. And he threw for 316 yards and three touchdowns without an interception. The only egregious mistake that he made was the fumble that was lost. And that was a huge play in the game. But... Again, when the when the defense was just, I mean, they got ran off the field. And I get it. The Browns are a good. When the Browns are running the football, this this offense is very good. They picked this game that unleash it for the first time this season. But when you can't, nineteen missed tackles. And this and think about this, Justin. We spent hundred and sixty million dollars on defensive players and free agency. DJ Reader, how many missed tackles did he have? It doesn't. It didn't say. Okay, but when he has this, this was written in an article by Jeff Hobson on Saturday. When he has a rotating, revolving door of players playing next to him in the interior, it was Christian Covington, it was Amani Bledsoe, it was Freedom Akin Moladum, if I pronounced that correctly, it was Andrew Brown who was listed as an N in the game, apparently, or something like that, when you have those players playing, again, it's like last year, it's a, it's, it's a who's who on the roster. DJ Reader, I'm not saying he's the problem. It's that he has no help. Geno's out, Mike Daniels is out, but that's no excuse. This is the NFL. When your, card, when, when your name is called, you got to go out there and make plays. And you miss 19 tackles in the game? Jesse Bates had four, Jermaine Pratt had three, and at least 12 others had one ta- had one missed tackle. What are we doing here? And you can say, well, short and off-season, trunk in a training camp, and the pandemic, and not being able to go through OTAs and whatever. No excuse. There's no excuse. Are the Ravens doing that? No. Don't make excuses. This game was very winnable. It was very winnable, Justin. Like, so we're, we're here watching the game on Thursday, for those listening. We're here on Thursday watching the game. It's 28 to 23. There's hope. I mean, why, I mean, right? You're thinking, okay, hold them to at least a field goal, maybe if they score. Just give yourself a chance in your next offensive drive to tie or win the game. And the drive was bang, 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 bang. Run plays. 74 yards. No, not even close to being stopped. It was... It was like, all right, we're going to shove the ball straight down your throats. And they did just that. Exactly. And I think it's – and it's kind of 
what the annoying thing is, is exactly what we are worried about. You know, you come into this game, you think about the two running backs that they have, Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, both great running backs. And you hope to stop them, you know, just like you touched on, Geno Atkins and Mike Daniels were out, but that's no excuse. Because if those two guys are out, then you're just saying that it's, you know, acceptable to give up that amount of rushing yards per game. And it kind of reminds you of what's been going on the last couple of years, you know, missed tackles, giving up huge chunk plays on the on the ground and it's very frustrating and you think about a guy like dj reader i don't mean a when i want to sound like a copy and paste on what you said but dj reader you know he said he's pissed off and he should be you know he's getting paid all this money and he's doing exactly what exactly not what we paid him to do because you know even if gino's out he should still be able to make those plays i think he only yeah looking at the stat uh stat line he only had one tackle for loss and I think that, I mean, hopefully Gino can stay, can get back healthy and Mike Daniels can get back healthy. But, you know, if they're unable to play week three against Philadelphia, I'm, you know, very concerned moving forward. Well, I think, I think we definitely should be. I was, I was telling you, I was telling some guys at 700 WLW, I'm like, thinking about the running backs that this defense is facing coming up. You got, as you mentioned, Justin, Philadelphia on Sunday with Miles Sanders, who's now healthy. Uh, week four with the Jaguars, not sure what you're going to get there. Week five, you're at the Ravens, pretty much their entire backfield you're going to face. Which, by the way, your, your boy uh, J.K. Dobbins played well yesterday. Yeah, he did. Um, week six, you go to the Colts. Jonathan Taylor stepped in, first career start yesterday. Did really, really well against the Vikings. The rushing touchdown, over 100 yards. Week seven, you got the Browns, referred to Thursday night, if you want to know who their running backs are and how they perform. Hmm. And then we get you're facing a guy named Derrick Henry. If you don't know who Derrick Henry is, Google him, look at his stats, they're pretty good. I don't mean to sound smart-alky there, but I'm just a little upset with the run defense from the Bengals on Thursday night. So what I'm saying is, like, you're facing a, you're facing a gauntlet of running backs, and then you think about you come off the bye, you're facing James Conner, uh, Washington. I mean, I'm not really concerned about facing their rushing attack. Saquon Barkley's now out for the season. Miami, not sure who their running back is. Dallas, Ezekiel Elliott, good lord against him. Uh, the Steers again, the Texans, David Johnson, and then the Ravens again. So... I mean, you kind of get a little bit, you kind of get some breaks in the second half of the season, but this rush defense, I'm telling you what, Justin, it, it, it better shape up because this defense, I think on paper, is too good to allow what's going on. There was a great article. I mentioned the article from Jeff Hobson today that was kind of with some really good material for the material for the show today. We think about, you know, so Friday, the, the, the free agent defensive signings, DJ Reader, Josh Bynes, and Von Bell. So you got one player at each level of the defense, right? You got that article pulled up. So... The Bengals' rush defense now has allowed the most yards in the NFL allowed over the last three seasons. And in the last two seasons, they have allowed nine 200-plus yard games from the opposing team. Nine. That's a lot. That's over 25%. Uh, DJ Reader said the following on Friday, that they're trying to create a culture change, trying to bring winning culture to this team that he doesn't think they've had here before. I want to talk about that for a minute, Justin, because for the first 52 years of existence, and really the last 29 years, okay, under Mike Brown, keep in mind this, and, and, and this is what always happens. When the Bengals lose two games in a row, we look at the organization in a big picture scope. If this were like the Patriots and they were on a two-game losing streak, you look at the you look at the two games and the two games only. But the Bengals have been doing this for so long, and there hasn't been change. There was change in the offseason. What is it? What is it done on the field? Not much of anything on the defensive end. It, it was good against the Chargers, but as we saw, that's because Tyrod Taylor was playing quarterback. 
Then Thursday happens. Okay, team stats, in case you're wondering, uh, the Browns had 434 yards of offense, 215 on the ground, 219 through the air. They ran a total of, fun fact, the Bengals had seven more first downs than the Browns. The Browns ran, how many how many plays did the Browns run? They ran, I'll, I'll figure it out in a minute. Okay, they ran uh, 58 plays, 35 rushing plays. Yeah, it's really concerning. I mean, I think we're talking about the culture, you know, and you think about the guys that we brought in, Von Bell coming from the Saints, part of a great culture over there in New Orleans, DJ Reader. I mean, they had a solid D-line in Houston, and he's coming from a good group of guys, good group of players. Josh Vines coming from the Ravens, who are a fantastic organization. And you hope, when you put them all together, that it's all going to kind of fit like a puzzle. But they just don't seem to... Con- they just, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's just the lack of playing time. But, I mean, no one in the NFL had this preseason. Everyone had the same, was given the same amount of time and the same opportunities to be successful. And clearly, it's just a matter of not, not executing. And I hate to sound like a broken record because this is all we talked about the last two, three years. And I don't know if it's something that Lou Anarumo is doing. I don't know if, you know, I don't know if we need to bring in a new defensive coordinator. I don't know if we need to make changes at certain positions. But I think, I mean, Von Bell says Rome wasn't built in a night, obviously. But you would just hope that this group that is able, capable of not giving up 200 plus rushing yards every single outing, you know, I mean, it just, I, I don't know. It's just like, yeah, I'm very, it's very frustrating. And I hate to be like, oh, well, you know, Joe Burrow played well. Yeah, Joe Burrow played well. That's what we expect him to do. But, you, you, but, you, the, you, but we didn't win. We didn't no. win and we played terribly. No, and Joe Burrow's, Joe Burrow's thinking that. He's like, okay, I might have played well. Did we win? No. 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 Joe, Joe Burrow made one mistake and that was the fumble. But... I mean, we'll get into Joe Burrow later because I want to talk about th- what I saw from him on, on Thursday confirmed that he is this team's franchise quarterback. Mm-hmm. And I'll also, this is, we'll talk about this later on today. We'll talk about this on Friday. The game Sunday, Justin, can you agree with me on this? I'm going to ask you straight up right now, and we'll get into more on this later. Can you say that not only is it, is it a must-win game for the season, but for the immediate future of the franchise? I would say so because I think that if, you know, we were talking about this a little bit earlier, if, you know, Maybe not in this context if we lose this game, but if we do lose this game, you know, there might be some coaches in the hot seat, and there should be, you know, because yeah. this is a game against an 0-2 team who has been, quite frankly, not very good the first two games. You know, they've had some success. Um, they played okay against the Rams, and, you know, they had a comeback loss against the Washington uh, football team. <laughs> and so... Uh. I don't. I don't know. I mean, it's on the road, but I mean, I don't even think Lincoln Financial is allowing. They're not having fans. fans. So. so this is not the Philly that we know from seeing games and what we hear about Philly fans and whatnot. But what I'm saying is, if you, if you, it, 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 I don't want to spoil everything that we're going to talk about on Friday and down the road. But I mean, th- here are some numbers. So we talk about the free agents coming in, and. They were, they, they were brought in here to revamp the defense, and they haven't done that. Now, I will give the Browns a lot of credit for their game plan on Thursday night. It was to run the football. It was to get Baker Mayfield. And this is something I, I really didn't think about during the game, but from what was, what was said after the game, it makes so much sense. 
Baker Mayfield, when he's rolling out to the right, to the left, that, that man can throw. I mean, the touchdown to Beckham was a thing of beauty, as much as it backbroke the Bengals at the time. Baker Mayfield is a solid quarterback. I mean, he was outside of, a, outside of interception to William Jackson. He was pretty solid. 16 of 23, 219, two touchdowns. When he is not given, when he does not have the burden of having to be the guy, he is not, Dan Orlovsky said it best, he's not Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson's a very special quarterback because he can be the entire offense and win games and win a lot of them. Baker Mayfield's not that guy. Kevin Stefanski knows that. He, he's like, oh, Nick Chubb, you know what? He's got, he, he, you know, he, he got going on the first drive. I'm going to keep giving him the ball. Okay, 22 carries, 124 yards, two touchdowns. Solid, solid night for Chubb. And Kareem Hunt, we talked about the, the, the problem of him getting more carries than Nick Chubb in the first game of the season for the Browns at the Ravens. Here's the thing. These two backs can be used on the, you know, they can both be used and used a lot and used effectively. Kareem Hunt had two catches for 15 yards and a critical third and goal touchdown. So what I'm trying to hint at is, the Browns have two solid running backs. This offense can be really good if they are used the right way by Kevin Stefanski. Now that again was the Bengals, and they all and they've recently played very well against the Bengals. But let's talk about the defense here, Justin. So we have Von Bell, DJ Reader, and Josh Bynes. Von Bell in his stint in New Orleans, which I believe was four years. The Saints defense. And this was when the Saints defense was the weakest link of their team. Maybe the reason why they missed the playoffs three straight years. The Saints defense had one game where they allowed 200 yards of rushing from the opposing team. One. DJ Reader with Houston, which I think was also four years, but I'm not sure of that. Can you check on that? How many years DJ Reader spent in Houston real quick? So yeah. DJ Reader in his stint at Houston had... Four, the Texans had four games where they allowed 200-plus yards on the ground. He was with them from 2016 to 2019. Okay, so he played... Four years. So he played four years there. So so that's one game a season. Okay, as bad as it is, one game a year, not going to kill you. The Texans still managed to win, by the way, three division titles in four seasons. So it proves that if you stop the run, you're going to have success in this league. Then there's Josh Bynes. They didn't just say what... They didn't mention him individually. Oh, they mentioned the Ravens as a whole. The Ravens in the last nine seasons, you ready for this? Have allowed four teams to rush for 200 plus yards on them. Four. Four games in nine seasons. That's 144 games and you allow four teams to rush for 200 yards against you defensively. And you know what those organizations, the Texans, maybe not so much, but at least they're competent, they're competitive, and they've shown talent over the years, and they're willing to spend money. Or trade your best wide receiver, too. What a concept that is. Uh, you, know what's, you know what the common theme here is, Justin, with those organizations? They're committed to winning. No, exactly. And I... I mean, just like I said, they come from great cultures. You know what I mean? They come from guys, from teams that have great guys as their head coaches. I have their, you know, a good head on their shoulders. Not that Zach Taylor doesn't, but, you know, he's a young coach. And these guys are coming from organizations that have had a lot of success in the seasons that they've been there. 
They've had coaches that have been there for a while, and they know how to win. They have the winning formula. And these guys come in, and they try to adapt that formula into what the Bengals are providing. You know, they already have their set structure of how they want things, and these guys are trying to bring in that winning culture. But they have a lot of young guys, and they all have different ways of doing things. And I think that, you know, it is harder to play with guys that you've never played before, obviously, and especially... You know, DJ. We I remember going to this year. We always talked about oh, DJ Reader and Geno Atkins. DJ Reader and Geno Atkins are going to be able to do this and stop the run. Have a great run stopping defense. But then Geno Atkins is out. Mike Daniels comes in. He's out. And it's hard. You mean you think about DJ Reader and Christian Covington. You know, DJ Reader's good, but that that isn't a winning formula. It's not going to stop the run against a great Browns rushing game. You know, and. I don't know. I think that it's just a matter of it is their first season together, and I want to give them the benefit of the doubt, but I just don't know how much longer it'll be before we say, well, you know, maybe they'll have to start making some changes on the roster. Not only making changes on the roster, I don't think you have to do that because I, th- I think the roster's it, it, it's not, I mean, it's not star-studded. It's not the Ravens who have no. great players at every position. But you at least, when, you, when, when the defense rolls out on Sunday, or Thursday, as as was the case, as was the case last week. I I should too. I should feel comfortable as a fan knowing. Okay, there there are good there are good enough players on this defense to at least give the Bengals a chance to win on most Sundays. Now, when you play the Ravens in Week Five, okay, fine. When you play the Titans, and fun fact, I I think we both picked them to win that game. Okay, the Titans, I mean, yeah, they have one running back, and their running back can only really do one thing, but he can do it exceptionally well, and that's run the football, Derrick Henry. But I should, to a degree, this season feel somewhat com- somewhat comfortable as a fan knowing it's not going to be 28-3 to at halftime. We're not going to have given up 150 yards rushing in the first half, which... By the way, on Sunday, or Thursday, excuse me, in the first half against the Browns, the uh, Cleveland had uh, 65 rushing yards. So what that tells you is, what that tells you is, they were running the football, they were, they didn't really get going running the football until the second half of the game. And now that I'm thinking about this, it's actually true. Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield threw nine passes in the first half, in, in, in the second half, the Browns ran the ball twenty times, that, and, and that's great. That's great fundamental football. Running the football, what a concept! Joe Mixon ran the ball six times in the second half for a whopping uh, twenty yards. It's an average of just over three a carry. That's not very good. And so go ahead. I just want to add that, like. I think if the Bengals were to at least be able to contain the Browns on the running game, I don't want to say Baker Mayfield's a bad quarterback because he's not. He, I think he has his moments. I think he's at. I think he's. I would call him an average quarterback at the moment. But you know, if you're able to at least contain the run, I think Baker is you know turnover prone. You know, I don't think he's able to carry the team on his shoulders if he can't get the running game going because I you saw it. The other night, they rely a lot on their play action. You know, you saw on the touchdown pass to OBJ. But I think that could be a problem with a lot of these quarterbacks because that's just how the NFL is. They're going to go based off what's working. If, you know, they're running the ball is going to work, then they'll run the ball, and then they'll be able to execute play action just like the Browns did. 
And so I think that's something that we need to look for, or we need to look for. But also, what I think is interesting is you would have thought that the Browns had uh, more possession or more uh, time of possession, but the Bengals actually had seven more minutes of possession uh, on Thursday night. And I think that's a big problem because you have the ball more, but you're not doing anything with it. That's because the Bengals ran. How many plays did they run? How many total plays they have? It felt like they had the ball like the entire second half almost. Yeah. And they came away with, they did come away with 17 points. Should have been more. Yeah. We'll get to that, whatever that was at the goal line in the third quarter. Which, um, if you score on that, if you score on that a touchdown that possession, you are right back in the game. Oh yeah. Because and then you didn't need so much so a defensive turnover, which they got. The Bengals ran 85 plays. On Thursday night, 85, 24 rushing plays. It's like the run game's not going, getting going early. And this is a common habit for young head coaches. I think when the run game's not, when the run game's not doing much early, they're going to completely abandon it. You can't do that. You have to have the maturity and the wherewithal to just continue to run the ball straight down their throats. Eventually, you're going to get it. If after 20 carries you're only at 50 yards or 40 yards, then fine, by all means, abandon it and unleash your passing attack, which with Joe Burrow, we've seen that you can do that. That's a positive takeaway from this game is if the rush game is completely abandoned, I'm not saying I'm not saying don't put a focus on running the football. That's what you need to do because you just paid your running back $48 million in Joe Mixon. But Joe Burrow, I mean, look, Joe Burrow, can he, he he's the real deal. The Bengals are going to be competitive because of him. How many times did he make plays on Thursday night where you're like, my gosh, that man has toughness. My gosh, Andy Dalton, Andy Dalton would never have done that. Joe Burrow, the Bengals were 5-5 five five on 4th down. 5-5 five for five on 4th down. They, they they were in this game against Joe Burrow. Now the question is, can we get to that point where we're saying the Bengals are winning games because of Joe Burrow? They're not losing games because of him. They're losing games because of a kicker and a bad defense. That's how they've lost two games this season. If you say, well, Joe Burrow didn't play well week one. Um, excuse me, he was 23 of 36 for a buck 93 and a rushing touchdown. And outside of an egregious interception, do you want to, do you really want to say anything bad about Joe Burrow week one? Because I can dispute it. Because I saw what I saw. Now it goes back. This team, for the last 29 years, has been a losing culture. They've had some good teams. Not going to lie. Deny that. You have got to find a way to start winning these games. They have now lost their last 10. It's more than that, actually. Uh, they have lost... How many one-score games in a row have they lost? Two. Uh, since the Tampa Bay games. The Baltimore game and the LA game. So they've lost uh, 14 consecutive one-score games. 14 consecutive. That's not going to win you games in the NFL. 29 years, 7 playoff appearances, no playoff wins, and only a few other handful, 8-8 eight eight seasons, by the way. Yeah. I think they've had 7 winning seasons in 22 years under Mike Brown's ownership. That's just, that's just bad culture. And if you're going to bring in $160 million worth of free agencies, free agent players, into the organization... This game on Sunday, given what we've seen the first two games, is a must-win. Not just for this season. Look, the Bengals aren't expected to make the playoffs this season. 
We thought, you and I both thought, Justin, they could. I'm, this, They might. They can still maybe make the playoffs. They're 0-2 right now, but you know what? There's talent on this team. But they don't know how to win, and they haven't known how to win for 52 years and the last 29 years. And you bring in guys to help you win, and yet we've got the same old song and dance on Thursday night. Be can't stop the run, can't run the football, can't block. Those were the three or two things that happened on Thursday night. Guess what? If you don't win on Sunday, you're 0-3, and you know what? I can see it turning into a whole lot worse than 0-3. A whole lot worse. Because then more questions are going to start to come. I'm not going to overreact today. But if the if this season continues to fall off the rails, I'm going to start calling for Luana Rumo's job. I'm going to start calling for Zach Taylor's job. Brian Callahan, mm, I, I think he's kind of guilty by association because he's the offensive corner, but Zach Taylor's still calling the plays for whatever reason. Mm. Talent can win you games in the NFL. It can make you, or, or at least make you competitive, because we haven't seen winning here in Cincinnati since uh, 2015, even at, at a competitive level, just getting to the playoffs, let alone going to an AFC Championship game or a Super Bowl, because that hasn't happened in 30 years. Uh, talent can make you competitive and win you games, but if you want to win championships, you need coaching. Think about, uh, let, let's, th let's think of a quarterback, Justin, who... Maybe it was in a bad system and then got into a good system, and now he's flourishing. I'm trying to think of one quarterback who's done that. Maybe Drew Brees. I don't know. Was he in a bad system with the Chargers? Uh, that was so well, long ago. The, um, well, the Schottenheimers, Marty, and now Brian, the offensive corner for the Seahawks, he is on my short list for potential replacements for Zach Newton. Taylor. Cam Newton. Oh, he did, did he look good last night or what? Oh, yeah, he did. I mean, what was that, his fourth rushing touchdown of the season so far? I think he had two last night. And he now had two exactly, he threw for 397 yards. Yeah, and yeah, the, his only flaw, I didn't watch the game because I was at work, but the only flaw, I mean, I noticed was just that yeah. bad choice on the last yeah. turn. Uh, Carson Palmer, when uh, he went to Bruce Arians, 2015, he was an MVP candidate. Yeah, he played he, great. He didn't have that here with Bob Burkowski or Brad Burkowski, whatever his name is. He was good. He was an MVP. He was not an MVP candidate. Uh Hugh Jackson finally, finally, you know, gave Andy Dalton a playbook to work with in 2015. Andy Dalton was an MVP candidate. Say what you want about him. Uh, who else? Who else? Uh, oh, uh, Matt Ryan, Kyle Shanahan, and now Jimmy G and Kyle Shanahan, Jared Goff, and Sean McVay. See, coaching's important in the NFL. And this Bengals coaching staff, quite frankly, is not very good. No, we're just now seeing it. It's you could say, well, you're only two games into the season. Uh. Two games is enough. Yeah, if it's seventy-five percent enough for me to know, I know what I have. I think I know what I have, and it better turn around quick if I have questions about it. Yeah, if you're through two games and you can't seem to grasp a decent understanding of what the team is good at and what the team is, quite frankly, really bad at, then I think that you're wrong. Because watching this game, we know what we're bad at. We know what we need to fix, and I think that you'd be goofy to you know even question that this team it, i mean yeah it's easy to say oh it's only two games but i you know you know that's something that's gonna leak into all bleed into all the other weeks you know and then it starts coming oh it's just three oh it's just four. oh you're already a quarter of the way through the season yeah and it's still a problem
Yeah, and you haven't fixed it. And that's the, that's what we've been doing over the years. Like last year, oh, you know, we're 0-4, but, you know, we, we, we've done this well. You know, we, we've been in two of the four games. Yeah, mm, two of the four games. And what happened in the other two games? Oh, you got your doors blown off. Okay, great. When, when, when are we going to come to a point here where, as an organization, and, and you kind of heard it from DJ Reader, uh, Von Bell and Josh Bynes weren't as, they were kind of more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? They, they just kind of said, they just kind of said some things that, you know, are kind of mainstream. Like, uh, let me see if I have any quotes there from that piece from Jeff Hobson. Uh, Josh Bynes, this isn't, I mean, this is actually good. Guys are tired of beating a situation where they get so close and don't uh, finish those games. Then you have Von Bell, like, Rome wasn't built tonight. Well, no crap, it wasn't built in a night. It's Rome. Okay, I, w- I wanted to say some other words there, but I'm not allowed to say those, uh, <laughs> even on a podcast. But uh, anyway, so and we've been doing this, for, we've been doing the same things over and over and over again for 29 years. And you're like, well, we brought in some free agent signings. They might take some time to get developed. Uh, no, this is the NFL. Let me, okay, so. Uh, two weeks through the season, the Ravens, oh, they're, they're a Super Bowl team. Can, you, can we conclude that right now? The Ravens are a Super Bowl team? Yeah. Okay. In the NFC, Seattle, their defense stinks, but my God, is Russell Wilson special. They, they can go to the Super, Bowl because, the Super Bowl because of him. New England, they're two weeks. They're one of one. Guess what? They came up one yard short last night, and Cam Newton just tried to be superhuman or Superman, which I don't really have a big problem with. They are a Super Bowl contender. I'm not saying they're a Super Bowl team, but they're a Super Bowl contender. Uh... Who else do we have? Green Bay. Boy, they look really good. Minnesota. Stinks. The Jets. Please. Buffalo. I know what they have. Yeah. I know what Buffalo has. They're a really good team. Uh, Kansas City. You know, you're good teams in the NFL. Arizona, I think you can put them up there too. Boy, they showed us. Boy, they've shown us something the first two weeks. Yeah, they have. I mean, they beat the... You know, 49ers pretty hand- I mean, not handily, but you know, they it's, they didn't seem to struggle against them. No. And then they beat the Redskins, yes, or excuse me, the yeah, Washington right. football team. Sorry, I don't know how. Hopefully oh, that we're we're going to make that gap, yeah. I'm sure, during uh, a Washington week. So, but yes, okay. Don't make excuses. Like I'm, I'm sick and tired of this losing organization being like, well, you know, uh, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day, or you know, we got to be better. You know, we got to have more of a sense of urgency. Show it. Show it. Show don't. Hell. Exactly. And I think that's something that we've done the last, you know, X amount of years. I mean, what's it been since 2015 when we made the playoffs? It's just, it always feels the same every week. It's like, oh, well, we got to get in the building. Because I remember Joe Burrow after the game, he said, oh, we're going to get in the building tomorrow and, you know, we're going to figure this out. Well, okay, but I mean, that doesn't mean anything if you're going to go out there and, you know. But do you have a sense of confidence that with Joe Burrow that you actually might get something figured out by Sunday? I mean, I thought we probably had something better figured out in the first two weeks, you know, I, you know, I felt more confident. I felt confident that we had Joe Burrow, but that doesn't necessarily mean that anything's going to translate out of it. I mean, on the defensive side of the ball, I guess, I mean, you can come together and talk about how, what you need to do and what you need to do to win. But I mean, unless you actually go out there and put the work in and, you know, give a hundred percent effort, then it's just enough. I mean, nothing's going to translate out of it. We talk about the defense. Good God. The offensive line is still not very good. I mean, Joe, Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow was getting killed. Now, when you drop a quarterback sixty, when you drop a quarterback back sixty-one times in a game, what what else do you expect with an offensive line that has Bobby Hart and Fred Johnson starting at right guard and right tackle? I mean, please, the left side's fine. Jonah Williams was great on on Thursday night. Michael Jordan, same thing. Troy Hopkins, you know what you're getting from him. The right side of the offensive line, 
stinks. I mean, it stinks. And in the offseason, where we spent enough money in free agency to bolster the defense, we got Xavier Suafila from the Cowboys. Fun fact, he's on injured. Uh, is he on IR? I think yeah, he's, he's on, on IR. He is on IR. Yeah. And we did not draft an offensive lineman until the sixth round. The sixth round. Chances are you're not going to find the prized offensive line prospect in the sixth round. What are we doing here? This was, this was talked about. Mo Egger and Paul Daner Jr. were talking about this on the Tony and Mo football show. Paul was filling in for uh, Tony Pike today. The, the Bengals looked at their offensive line last eight games of the season when, when it performed at least competent level. They're like, yeah, we're good with what we have. Hmm, really? Because I sure as heck am not, as a fan. I know you're not either. No. And I was actually didn't know this, but Hakeem Adeniji, he played one snap as a tight end uh, in Thursday night's game. And it's like, that's the guy that we drafted in the huh? sixth round. And yeah, he lined up, he was lined up as like the outside kind of tight end. Uh, so what you're telling me is we did not do a thorough uh, scout to know that this guy can play tight end too, but we really drafted him for an offensive line in the sixth round, and now he can also play tight end. Well, I don't, I don't so, know. So, so what do we do? We wasted a pick. We wasted a pick. And Shocker. And it's like, the thing too is like, I remember on our preview show, we kept talking about, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but we were talking about like, basically calling for Fred Johnson to, you know, come into the game. And he didn't get to start at right tackle like we wanted, but he got to start at right guard in place of Xavier Suofilo. And he played awful. I mean, I, I, it was kind of like a meme where uh, Miles Garrett was like, um, basically Euro stepped him. And Miles Garrett responded, oh, I learned from my boy Luka Doncic. But it's just like, you, it's, that, <laughs> that's so Im- <laughs> That's so embarrassing. You know, you're like, you're getting, you're getting pit on like all oh these different Instagrams. Dodge. You're getting put on all these different Instagrams as an offensive guard because you just got Euro stepped by a defensive end. That is like peak Bengals offensive line. You know, I'm sp- and Bobby Hart, there's all these memes going around of him. Like Miles Garrett, you can see the picture of Miles Garrett like running right by him. And then Bobby Hart was completely turned around the other way. I mean, it's just like... <laughs> What I mean, I just don't understand what this team has to do. I mean, at this point, just throw on Billy Price. Uh, I mean, what do you have to lose? Because that right side is not getting any better unless you trade for a right tackle or unless you just find like a hidden jam and put in a Hakeem Adeniji and he just somehow happens to thrive at right tackle. I mean, it's just like, what are we going to do? Because, I mean, this is going to happen every week. They had eight quarterback hits in this game. You know, Joe Burrow is going to get killed. And these weren't just like small little shots at the end of like a throw or or like you know right after you handed it off like these were hard hits to the chest he's getting knocked down and how many times is that going to happen for this team to say well you know we're gonna you know we need some insurance on our number one overall pick because if he gets hurt then i don't know what we're going to do you're going to bring in ryan finley yeah and what you expect to win games then yeah you need yeah you need some uh you need some health insurance for uh joe burrow whatever kind of insurance it is my goodness gracious what is it going to take? Is it going to take a separated shoulder of Joe Burrow and he's not playing for a few weeks or maybe the season to maybe make you think, oh, yeah, we need a right tackle. Well, no crap, you need a right tackle. You need a right tackle right now. You need a right guard right now. What have we been doing for the last 29 years? It hasn't just been Joe Burrow. It was Andy Dalton. Andre Smith was never that great of an offensive lineman. Don't let 2015 fool you. Don't let 2015 fool you in general of how good of a team that was. That team still has some flaws, okay? Uh, Carson Palmer. Boy, how many times... How many times 
was I watching the game, and it's like, no one is protecting Carson Palmer. It was the right side of the offensive line. For as crappy as it was, it was awful. And it hasn't been great in a very, very long time. And that, my friends, is the culture issue. It's like, oh, we're, you know, we we think we got something here at right tackle. Well, no, you really don't. If you, it, it, it's, it's called coaching, too, which I said coaching was going to, to determine, Justin, the outcome of the game on Thursday night. And I think Kevin Stefanski kind of Stefanski kind of proved his worth a little bit. Now we'll see as the as the season goes on how the Browns perform against teams like the Cowboys and the Steelers, who they play coming up before we see them again here in Week Seven. But you know, we're we're, we're settling for mediocrity at right tackle. We have a franchise. We have a franchise. We have a franchise quarterback in Joe Burrow. Good. Uh, we have a franchise quarterback in Joe Burrow, and we're letting him get killed. D- 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 anyone listening to this, remember what happened to Andrew Luck? Yeah. He got killed to the point he was peeing blood, and he retired after just seven seasons in the NFL. By the time the Colts got smart, which I'll give them credit, they did. Quentin Nelson was a tremendous draft pick. It was too little, too late. So, you better, A, ever since the end of the game on Thursday, A, Jim Turner better be thinking, hmm, who do I, who are the best five guys on my, in my position group that I can put out there to protect my franchise quarterback? That's what he needs to do. You better figure out a way to run block. You better figure out a way to protect Joe Burrow. Because let me tell you something right now. I, I should have said this earlier, Justin. I sure as hell am calling for Jim Turner to be fired. Mm-hmm. My goodness. As far as the defense goes, excuse me, they've needed a deep corner since Mike Zimmer left. Let's be real. I'll get on that. I'll get on that search here maybe uh, next week. Maybe this week if I still feel oh, a little <laughs> anxious about Sunday yeah. at Philadelphia. Let me. And here's the thing, too. Kind of segue in here. Last year through two games, you knew what the team was going to be. They were going to be not very good. No. No. The Seattle game was a fluke. Yeah. Because I knew, hmm, no A.J. Green. Oh, easy. Uh, bad offensive line. We're going to tee off on Andy Dalton. He can't move in the pocket. He can't flush out and throw the ball rolling right like Patrick Mahomes and some other guys in the NFL can. Please. Uh, the, San Francisco game, the San Francisco game was a nightmare. We knew after that game. This team wasn't going to be very good. This year, though, I don't think we're a bad football team. No. There's talent. But you better learn how to coach it. Yeah. And that's why Sunday, like, if the Bengals win Sunday, there's a there's a lot of hope. Or at least some. No, I, I completely agree. And you think about what this team, the guys that they brought in are known for, is tackling. And you can't you, <laughs> really. And, and you can't. I mean, to some extent, you can coach tackling, but that's something that guys are gonna. You know, that's something that. I mean, you can go through all these tackling drills, but it doesn't necessarily mean they're gonna have the heart to go out and make a tackle against a hard runner like Derrick Henry when they play, go against the Titans. But oh, you, you, but you can coach a scheme, you know. And these guys are in the scheme, and it, I I don't know. I I just don't know with Lou Anarumo. I mean, I think. Just like you said, I think if you know we lose this next week, we might be calling for his job if we're not already. 
Yeah, because because it's so important because Joe Burrow is a franchise quarterback. Now, there's questions at wide receiver. Like, why Auden Tate did not play on Thursday is, is a mystery. By the way, did you see there was an article that his agent was very unhappy with him being a healthy scratch? Possibly requesting Be- a trade. Yeah, because he because his agent... Now, his agent's going to hype him up a little bit. That's, that's the world of sports agents for you, by the way. It, 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 it's quite a fascinating. But his agent, his agent has a great point because Auden Tate... When he's on the field, gives this team another weapon to throw the ball to if A.J. Green is covered. Which, by the way, A.J. Green on Thursday, yeah, did not go very well. 13 targets and only three receptions. Um, uh, when I watched film leading up to the Browns game uh, in week seven, I-, I heard today that Denzel Ward against A.J. Green, yeah, that did not go overly well for the Bengals. No. So, oh, okay. So, th- th- there's a question mark with A.J. Green. There's question marks with, I mean, Tyler Boyd has gotten an extension. Joe Mixon has an extension. So why the hell are you not? So why the hell are you not running the football twenty to twenty-five times a game? Why the hell are you not? Tar- why are you only targeting Tyler Boyd eight times a game? That man should be getting twelve targets a game. Period. If he wants to be given the respect that he deserves, hmm, maybe maybe Zach Taylor should be calling more plays for him. What a concept. I think, like, Zach Taylor, he seems to go into, like, panic mode because as soon as we're down, you know, a touchdown or two touchdowns, you know, not huge deficits. He just seems to completely abandon the run game, and we just pass the ball, and we're not targeting our best wide receivers. I mean, A.J. Green would target 13 times with three catches, but then again, he was going against a great corner in Denzel Ward, so, you know, there's probably some missed calls. I don't know if you remember seeing that uh, pass to A.J. Green in the end zone, and his right arm was being clearly held. Uh, I think that was. Oh, yeah. I think that was in the fourth quarter. Um, yes. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, it's just a matter of Joe Mixon. You know, he has 115 yards through the first two games, and just like his the last two seasons, he didn't have great first halves of the season. But then he really turned it on the second half. But by that point, it's just like, you know, oh yeah, great, you get a thousand yard season. But what's the matter if you get six, seven wins? Um, so I don't know. I don't know if it's Zach Taylor. He's just scared to. I mean, I know with this offensive line, it's hard to run the ball because they're not very good, frankly. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't try because Joe Mixon, he's as good as anyone in the NFL at, you know, making tacklers miss. He's good. You know, he has good moves. He has good. I mean, I just it's very frustrating because then you have Joe Burrow throwing 61 times in a game like he did Thursday night. And so, I don't know. Do you think that Zach Taylor kind of gets in that kind of mode, like that panic mode? Do you think that he just... Yeah, at any at yeah. the first adversity, he just decides to pass the ball. No, I, I totally agree with you, Justin. I think he totally does get into some sort of panic mode because, I mean, what he's a young coach who's never been a coordinator. Let me let me compare Zach Taylor. So Zach Taylor's a Sean McVay disciple. Sean McVay is how old is he now? 33, 34? That man can coach. That okay. The Rams. I was questioning them coming into the season that Sean McVay had lost what he had his first two seasons there. Oh, he is not. That's a, that's a surprise, but it's a pleasant surprise. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sean McVay and the Rams are good because they run the football, they play action, they get Jared Goff out in space. Mm, funny how many, when you get quarterbacks out in space, the great things can happen. Uh, Todd Gurley, one of the best running backs in the NFL for uh, two years from 2017 to 2018. I mean, think about the number of carries that he got in some games. Uh, 2017, 28 and 23 in a two-game stretch where the Rams won both games. During a 
uh, five game winning streak. They had, or was it uh, four? It was four games. 23, 22, 16, 51 to 17 blowout, and then 11, uh, 33 to 7 blowout. Then we go 17, 19, 21, 22. Mm, funny how when you run the football, good things can happen. Uh, now, Ty Gurley is also a great pass catcher out of the backfield. But still, when you have an offense and you're giving your best player the ball in Todd Gurley, great things can happen. Zach, Sean McVay didn't panic. Now, Sean McVay had been a coordinator before his arrival in uh, Los Angeles. He was the coordinator for Washington and had some really, really good offenses. If you'll remember, um, it was 2015 and 16. And Washington with Kirk Cousins and, oh, who was the running back? Was it Chris Thompson? Yeah, it was Chris Thompson. Their rush game was solid. And their pass game was solid because of it. Zach Taylor's a Sean McVay disciple. But Zach Taylor has never been a coordinator in the league. And now you're going to give him A, the head coach, and B, the offensive coordinator? Really? That's why Sunday's so important, Justin. If, this, if, 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 if the Bengals don't win Sunday... There are going to be questions out the wazoo. And guess what? They can start 0-4. They're, they're, they're not beating Baltimore. They're not beating the Ravens in Week 5. 0-5. Uh, week 6 in Indianapolis. Uh, who knows about that game? This, this season, for as much optimism as there is, it can go all downhill very, very quickly. You have a franchise quarterback... So you need, to, you need to take a look at your entire roster. Receivers, your defense, which on paper is okay, your coaching staff, you take a good long look. Because let me tell you, if this talent, if Joe Burrow's not given everything in the world for him to succeed, the Bengals organization and will have failed him. And then those national media pundits who talk about Joe Burrow not wanting to go to Cincinnati are going to say, we told you so. Yeah, and you think about, I think it was Carl Lawson Tay and his presser. He said, I think another big thing that I want to watch in the Eagles game, I don't want to foreshadow too much because we'll talk about this on our other show later on in the week, but the Eagles kind of have a banged up offensive line, and then you want this pass rush to be able to take advantage, which I haven't thus far this season, but Carl Lawson said today that's because they haven't been able to stop the run, and so something's got to give. Because either they're going to have to get to the passer in Carson Wentz, they're going to, and Miles Sanders isn't a A plus running back, you know. No, he's probably B. Yeah, yeah, and B so, I, and so if you make Miles Sanders look like prime Adrian Peterson on Sunday, then which is a possibility. Yeah, which is a very likely possibility <laughs> that that will happen. <laughs> but I don't. I mean, I'm already kind of concerned about it, but. This defense just has to get after the passer. I mean, I know that Carl Lawson said you have to stop the run first and then get after the passer, but you know, I would sure love to at least see. I'm sure it wouldn't help hurt to at least get two or three sacks in a game because what they had two in the first game and then none this you know against the Browns, and so you just got to get you just got to get you at least have to get the ball out of Carson Wentz's hands, and you have to at least somewhat hope to contain Miles Sanders. And there and the Eagles are not a quick pass team. They're a very vertical offense. You think about the weapons that the Eagles have. Deshaun Jackson, Jalen Rieger, Alshon Jeffrey. This team is not, this team is not, you know, they don't have, uh, they don't have quick pass in their playbook. They're, they're, they're going to chuck the ball down the field. 
Now, now, obviously, now they will go to Zach Ertz occasionally over the middle or in the flat. Same with Dallas Goddard as well. Although I think of him more as you know, kind of a seam route kind of guy. They're not gonna. They're not gonna go quick pass. They're gonna. You know, their style of play when the offensive line is not performing, their style of play allows you to get to the quarterback. Now, if their offensive line does hold up. That puts pressure on William Jackson. It puts pressure on Darius Phillips. It puts pressure on Jesse Bates. Cover your man. Cover your zone. Keep everything in front of you. Yeah, I just don't want to see this defense look confused because I feel like we're tired of seeing that. I mean, I don't know if you remember, but the Browns, um, there was that one play. It was a passing touchdown to uh, Kareem Hunt. Oh, God. And he was wide open. guess who that was? It was Carlos Dunlap. 11-year veteran in the league. Like, it's just it was like, a 10. Well, the same thing. But, I mean, the thing is, like, Baker Mayfield, I mean, if Carlos Dunlap had it, if he went to go cover Kareem Hunt, then Baker Mayfield probably could have got a huge chunk run and probably got seven, eight yards and, you know, got them right to, like, the one or two yard line. I couldn't remember exactly where they were at on the field. But, I mean. I think they were at, the, like, the nine yard line. But then again, if he decided to rush Baker, I mean, which he ended up kind of doing a little halfsy, kind of just trying to bat the pass away, it was just. I mean, they just look confused. Six yard line. There's no one covering Kareem Hunt, and it was just like, dude, what do you? I mean, it's just you have to ask yourself, what are they thinking? What are they doing? Because you game plan all week for this team. You know what they have. We only had four days. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I mean, you game plan the four days. No excuse. Yeah, I mean, you played this team. You play this team twice a year, and it's just like with largely the same personnel from last year as this year and last year you played somewhat well against them yeah yeah you did i mean you get, i mean nick chubb i mean he played decent in the first game but the second game it's just like i i don't even know at this point because at this point i'm thinking you know are we even are we even gonna be able to win a game in the afc north this year because you look at how well the steelers defense is playing you saw them against the broncos have seven sacks then again they don't have the best offensive line but it's arguably better than the Bengals at this point and then you think about the Ravens, which, I mean, I'm already going to chalk that up to two losses, most likely. And then Two losses and two losses are going to be bad. Yeah. And then, I mean, so unless it's just... They, unless they don't rest their starters last week of the season and the Bengals just get a, a prideful win that might get them from like five to six, maybe, or uh, maybe, as it was the case last year, one to two. But, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it's just, I'm just very concerned looking ahead, watching the other teams in the AFC North over the last couple weeks. And, you know, you just got to kind of like, Hope. I mean, it's just hope at this yeah, point. But I, again, I keep going back, Justin, to the fact that we don't know what this team, we know the glaring weaknesses of this team, but we don't know where they're heading. And that, that that's, that's a double-edged sword. It's both good and bad. You know, the fact that this team has talent and I think can win some games. I don't think they're a playoff team by any means this year, excuse me, but feeling a little. Oof, that's the worst when you can't sneeze. Uh, shouldn't have. Stop talking and try and do so anyway. Uh, but we don't know where this team is going. We don't. This team, and that's why this game on Sunday, it's one of the most important games in recent history. It's not one of the most important games in the entire franchise history, but when and this, is, this goes back to the point I made earlier. When the Bengals lose, we don't just say, we don't look at the last two games. We think about, well, this is what, what we've been seeing for the last 29 years. Lots happened in that time span, by the way. A lot has happened in the last 29 years. Just saying. When you think about how long 29 years is, it's a long time. Yeah. 
and I what was it? I lost my train of thought. Sorry, I, I was just gonna say that. W- would you rather this team? I mean, obviously, we don't want them to lose. We don't want them to lose no. in any games. But I don't. I don't know if I'd feel more comfortable if this team, you know, got the six or seven wins this season. Obviously, they they wouldn't make the playoffs with that record. Or would I rather have them, you know, show some some improvement, maybe three or four games, and then be able to get a better draft pick? And I know I was telling you earlier how I feel about that guy, Penae Sewell, from Oregon. But Any I did, guy besides Bobby Hart at right tackle, please let me know about him. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, it's easy to say that, and then I go into the Sunday, and I'm like, oh, man, I can't wait to win. But it's just, I don't know. I mean, you got to think about the long-term future of the team. And, I mean, if offensive line is what they need, then take the best offensive line prospect in the draft if you're able to. But you're not going to be able to do that if you've won too many games and you're middle of the pack in the draft so i don't i don't know it, like it like you said it's, yeah, a, du- it's a double edge double you're edge caught sword. in a bad spot okay but think but think about this like the prospects in next year's draft trevor lawrence justin fields i haven't done a whole complete look at them yet but like gregory russo my my thinking is my thinking is offensive linemen like you're, you're going to be able to find somebody in the first round for sure i think you will okay like even if you're picking middle of the middle of the order, if this team somehow finds a way to go eight and eight, nine and seven, and still picks in the middle of the order and drafts an offensive lineman in the first round, that's fine. Maybe spend some money in free agency on offensive lineman. Look, last year, and here's what the front office thought, and I can't completely fault them for thinking the way they did. They thought, hmm, our glaring weakness is on defense, so we're gonna go out and get some players to bolster our defense. But the offensive line, they don't understand. This this franchise does not understand. The offensive line is not very good. The left side is fine. It's not the greatest, but it's good. It's okay. It's competent. It's serviceable. It's effective. Um, but the right side, I mean, when, you, when, when two of your offensive linemen are not very good, that's troublesome. Like, it, it'd be different if, you're, if you had a five really good offensive linemen or four great offensive linemen and there's one weak link. That's not good either, but it's a whole lot better than having a not-so-good offensive line below average, and you have two players who are two positions that are glaring weaknesses. And with a rookie quarterback, who I should, I should not see someone shove a glove through his face mask like I did on Thursday night. No. That's scary. I mean, I, I'd be seeing ghosts <laughs> in my sleep if that happened to me. Kudos to Joe Burrow for taking that kind of hit, and he says, and he says, "Oh, I like getting hit. Makes me feel like a football player." You know what he's probably thinking? What the hell is this offensive line doing for me? Yeah. Think about the line he had at LSU last year. How many times was he touched? Not many. Not many. No. And I think I don't know if it's a. I know they said they were going to take some plays out of the LSU playbook and Joe's favorite concepts and what that whatnot, but I mean. What's the matter if you're, you you can't execute it if you're getting a hand in your face, you know, pressure every single snap, and it's a, as great as it seems, as great as you know these weapons seem on the offense, you you just can't get them going. You can't get Joe Mixon going. You can't get the rest of the play, you know, you can't get the play action going if Joe Mixon's not going, and it all just comes down to this offensive line, and you know I'm very concerned. I, you know, I just think that. This upcoming week, I'd like to just see at least some change. You know, I don't know if that's gonna if they're gonna have to put in someone from Bobby Hart. I just want to see Joe Burrow. I just want to see him stay healthy. 
I want to see him execute, and I want to see his offensive line give up, you know, at no more than two sacks is what I'd like to see. I can't believe we actually have to say no more than insert number here. Yeah. I mean, it's embarrassing. We can't fail Joe Burrow. That's why this game has so much significance riding on it. I mean, I, I, I don't know about you, but, like, what, what do you see if we lose to the Eagles on Sunday, an 0-2 team that has not played very well the first two weeks? What do you think is in store for the you know, rest of the season? I, I, I mean, would, do you I, think that there would be an immediate firing of at least one position? Given what this franchise has done... I if I I don't I can't convincingly say yes. Now I will say they did fire Ken Zampezi after two weeks three years ago. They did let Terrell Austin go in the middle of the season. So maybe it's not it's not out of the realm of possibilities. Am I convinced that it will happen? No. Um, but the other thing too, we've got about three minutes left. Zach Taylor is only two and sixteen as a head coach. Elise Jesse from Channel 5 posed this question on Twitter. Do you completely regret uh, the Bengals calling for the Bengals and Marvin Lewis losing his job? I can't convincingly say I do regret that, that I don't regret that. Because let me tell you, Marvin Lewis's worst seasons were 4-11-1 and 4-12. Outside of that, 8-8, uh, 8-8, 11-5, 8-8, 7-9. 10 and 6, 9 7, 10 and 6, 11 and 5, 10, 4, uh, 10, 4, 5 and 1, uh, 12 and 4, 6, 9 and 1, uh, 7 and 9, 6 and 10. Zach Taylor is 2 and 16. Marvin Lewis gave you competency. I completely, yeah. I mean, for as much as we, for as many things as he did and or didn't do that drove the crud out of us as fans. Zach Taylor's here because the because of what Marvin did from the start of his career. If the Bengals had won playoff games, Marvin Lewis would oh he'd be on like his fifth contract. <laughs> yeah, I mean I, I never even thought about that. You know, I never even thought That's about That's something that we should look into more. Yeah. I didn't even think about it. I'm just thinking about it. Just thinking about it. Yeah. Got about a minute and a half. I just wanted to bring that out there. Yeah. Oh, if we have more time, we go in on that. Yeah. Oh, we go in on that. We'll, we'll talk. We'll we'll touch on that in the next show. Preston Silver will join us on Friday for the preview show. The Bengals at the Eagles. It is a pivotal game, an important game, not only for this season but for the immediate future of the franchise. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to it. I think we're all looking forward to it, and you know, hopefully. No, I don't know about looking forward. I'm anxious. I, I'm nervous. Yeah. Anxious, anxious, and nervous. I'm always looking forward to a Cincinnati Bengals game, even no matter how nervous or even when they're one in fourteen. Even when they're 1-14, oh I'm still God. looking forward to it. <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, this is the BearCast Media Bengals Recap Show. Thank you so much for listening. And I'm Justin Cashman. He is Alex Frank. And we will talk to you on Friday.